Last, uh, last week we talked about, uh, we started talking about knowing Christ as our life, and um, what, what I was mainly focusing on last week was, um, it was not just the necessity of knowing Christ, but the way that Christ is known, <clears throat> and, and I believe that that deserves a lot of attention because there's a whole lot of confusion about that in the body of Christ. Uh, and I know that there was great confusion uh, about that subject in my life for, uh, for many years. And, I, and I, I remember when I began, the Lord began to deal with me and, and show me that um, not only did I not know Christ, um, that's not to say that I wasn't known by Christ or I wasn't in Christ, but I did not know Him. Uh, but that wasn't the only problem. I, I, I also realized that I didn't really understand how to know him. And, and, um, and I think we, we, we come into our um, relationship with the Lord, uh, obviously having only known relationships in the flesh that are natural and they're external. And, uh, and and so when we when we think about knowing people or knowing things, um, we're we're automatically without even thinking about it, we're we're usually dealing with knowing each other based on outward experiences, uh, and uh, and and um, communication that that's outward with people, and and so we we experience things with with individual humans in the realm of words and various kinds of interaction we share time we we share place we share experiences and this is how we come to know each other in the natural realm and and that it's that idea that we bring into Christ just like this is just one of so many different um, natural uh, ideas that that we bring into Christ and we, we assume that that they have a place there because they have a place in this realm. Uh, we do that in so many different ways, but what I'm trying to say is that one of those ways is just the, 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 the foundational concept of what it means to know the Lord. Generally speaking, I think we always try to know spiritual reality in the same way and with the same faculties that we know and experience natural reality. And everyone does this without even thinking. You don't have to be taught this particular thing. You don't have to be taught uh, the wrong way to do this. You simply have to live on earth as a human. And, and that's the only kind of relating that we know. Relating in the natural and relating in the external. And then, um, and then of course, part of those kinds of relationships... Uh, well, I guess embed, embedded in those relationships or, or inherent in those relationships is the fact that, that uh, we perceive these, um, these experiences with people and we add our own interpretation to these experiences and our own understanding, um, and, and, we, and that's how we internalize these relationships. And so based on how we perceive these, these interactions, these conversations, that determines how these relationships feel to us and what they mean to us and how good or bad we think they are. 
And, and all that's perfectly normal in the earth. However, it is what I'm trying to say is that that's perfectly foreign to what it means to know Christ. That's perfectly foreign to, to what it means to have a relationship um, with Christ or relationships in Christ. And, and right now I'm specifically talking about our relationship to God in Christ and not necessarily about our relationships to one another in Christ, although it's the same reality. We'll get to that one day. But our relationship to Christ is not natural. And when, I, when, I, when I say that, I mean it doesn't have to do with my body. It doesn't have to do with this table. It doesn't have to do with things outside of me. And, and that's the other word. It's, it's, not, it's not external. It's not external. Um, and by, by its very nature, our relationship with the Lord is union. It is, it is spiritual and it is internal. And that means a whole lot more than, than we generally uh, imagine, or I guess than we could ever imagine. It means that you can only experience this relationship. It means that you can only know this person. You can only grow in your relatedness to him when something begins to happen in you that is both internal and spiritual. So what that means is that you're not going to come to, to know the Lord by reading a book. I don't care what book it is, even if it's this book. You're not going to know the Lord by reading the Bible. I mean... A book or the Bible can say true things about him, but those true things, if they are real, if, they're, if, there's, if there's truth to them, must still become in, in internal experiences of him for us to actually know them. Everything that's said about him to us in this book must become an in, internal experience of him in us for us to actually know the reality of which how these things are speaking. And, and so you don't know the Lord by reading a book. You don't know the Lord by experiencing spiritual uh, things in an outward way. And what I mean by that is everything from the realm of dreams and visions and, and visitations. See, those things are still external. Those things are still natural even though they may have spiritual origin, they are still reaching you through natural senses. That's what I mean by natural. They're touching you through the realm of the natural. And so by default, you bring your understanding, your uh, discernment, your application to those things because they are external to you. And, and, uh, and that goes also for experiences in the, in the natural realm. God cannot teach you himself. He cannot truly teach you spiritual reality through natural tools, through natural means. The best he can do is point to spiritual things with all kinds of natural arrows. Okay, He can point in a direction. He can show you it's there. This looks like it. Look that way. It, it, this points to it. It points that way. He can point to spiritual things with natural parables. Okay, But you can learn the parables and not know the Lord. He can point to spiritual reality with natural symbol, uh, symbols and, and types, as we've looked at before, shadows, miracles, healings, all that kind of stuff. But experiencing all of those things on a natural level will not cause you to know the Lord. It doesn't matter how many, I'm speaking now, probably not to this group, but 
I don't know what all your backgrounds were, but mine was a background in the charismatic church uh, for a number of years where we were all pursuing these supernatural encounters. Um, I'm just trying to decide how strong to say this. Um, We're being changed by any of those encounters, if any of them were truly the Lord to begin with. Um, and, and what ones were from the Lord, if there were some from the Lord, were simply pointing us like any natural arrow, like, like the natural creation itself, pointing us to something, to someone that must be known inwardly and spiritually. So we started looking last week at that diagram. If you remember, I, I drew that diagram with the three circles uh, inside of one another, with the body on the outside and then the soul and then the spirit. And I drew some arrows coming from the outside, coming in towards the the soul through the body. And I said that this is how many of us, um, as believers, were were taught. That's how we know the Lord. We we believe His words coming from the outside in. Remember, and uh, and and it comes into our ears and it tells our hearts things about Him. And then again, we 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 supply our understanding. We supply our application to these words, and we make the corresponding adjustments to our behavior. That's, I mean, that's so, um, that's so common that uh, I, I would say for most of my Christian life, I wouldn't have known an alternative. Um, and though, and there's many of you, I would, I would suspect, and myself, have given many years and much effort to that kind of knowing the Lord, it is, it is perfectly fruitless with respect to the transformation of the soul. It doesn't accomplish anything. The way to know the Lord is when the life that is on the inside, if you've been born of his spirit, if you've been born again and have come to life by his spirit, the way to know the Lord is when the life that is deposited in your soul at new birth begins to teach itself show itself, reveal, God reveals himself by the work of the spirit of truth to you, in you. I'm talking about an inward seeing, a spiritual beholding, a deep and profound awareness that is actually much, much stronger than, and, and, and more real than, than uh, physical sight. And even though we cannot imagine... Um, For myself, I, I remember not being able to imagine how that could possibly be so, how faith, how seeing him with the eyes of the heart could become a, a, uh, a more impacting reality than the things that I saw by sight. It's still, it's, uh, it is, it is. It's far more real than any of anything you could experience with your five senses. Um, if, you, if you remember last week we talked about uh, walking, how the, how the disciples were walking with Jesus in the flesh. And, and during that time, none of them were changed. None of them were changed um, as, as to nature. And worse than that, walking in the flesh with Jesus for three and a half years, uh, they, they did not have, after that period, one advantage um, over someone else in the flesh 
in terms of knowing Christ. See, everything he said to them was foreign. Everything he said to them was different. Everything was contrary contrary to what was operating in their own natural minds and what they were, they were perceiving through all of their natural senses. And that didn't change over time. That didn't change. You know, it's not like the second year they were walking with Jesus. They, they didn't start saying, I think, I'm, I think I'm figuring this guy out, you know. I think I'm finally starting to get him. That never changed. He was always contrary to what they were. Time simply cannot change that otherness. You don't ever get used to the otherness of Christ. The only way to change otherness, the, 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 the contrariness of flesh and spirit, is for flesh to be put away and a soul to be born of the spirit. And not only that, but then the soul has to have spiritual life revealed and experienced inwardly for that otherness to be, to be something that it actually knows and experiences. So, um, so we don't need... Contrary to, I know a lot of the songs and things that maybe we've thought or prayed or, or sung, we don't need to see Jesus with our natural eyes. Paul, in my opinion, had an advantage. Uh, you could say, this may not be true, but it's still interesting to say. I, I would say that he might have even had an advantage over the other disciples in terms of growing up in the truth because he never knew Christ according to the flesh. He never knew him as an Israelite subjected to the law, living in the world of types and shadows. We don't need to see Jesus with our natural eyes. I can say that a little stronger. You'll never see Jesus with your natural eyes. You cannot see Jesus with your natural eyes. There's a better way to see Jesus. There's an eternal way to see Jesus. Your natural eyes are going to remain in the ground with the rest of your body and cease functioning. But faith is eternal. Faith never stops. Faith is not contingent upon place or time or realm. Faith sees spiritual reality as God has established it through the cross in his Son. And I've said this before in other places, other times, but, but uh, in the church we are often waiting for faith to turn into sight. And God is waiting for our sight to turn into faith. Because faith is by far the greater faculty and the most eternal and real way to know anything at all. So, um, so we don't need to see Jesus with our natural eyes. And, 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 and even though uh, people would argue with me about this, and, and I'm being a little more um, open and just free with you guys here because we've been getting together for a little while now, and I know a lot of you have listened to a whole lot of things online too, so I'm not guarding my words quite as carefully um, uh, as maybe I would have before, but I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here, saying it like it is. Um, uh, God is God is not able to really accomplish anything in you that he would call change or fruit by showing you something with your natural eyes. It's just not how it works. He's not trying to show you uh, a vision in your room tonight when you go home. 
He's not generally trying to show you a miracle after miracle after miracle so that your belief stays strong. He's not trying to convince you of of his reality in a a sign or an appearing or a a natural appearing or or a dream. God's purpose for you. What is God trying to do? I mean, we pray for those things all of our lives sometimes, and, and we, uh, with the assumption that that's what he wants, so why wouldn't it be what he gives? Well, it's not what he wants. He will do those things to bring you towards what he wants, but what he wants is to transform your soul into the image of his son by revealing that life, that son in you. So... You don't really need to see anything with physical eyes. I, I believe God shows us something about this just in his dealings with Paul. Paul, uh, the first time, uh, the first time that Paul's soul um, actually—well, the first time that that, that, that uh, Paul actually started to see something in a spiritual way. He was he became blind in the in the natural, physically blind for three days. It was a time for Paul to stop using natural senses to judge spiritual realities. It was a time for Paul to awaken up in, in another realm and see with another light and walk in that light. And 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 um Paul trying to to use his natural senses, his physical ability to discern God with natural senses and a natural mind. See, that that's what was causing Paul to persecute the very thing that, uh, that God was trying to grow. And that's how it works in us as well. When we seek to know and serve God with our own senses, we end up persecuting and fighting against the the very thing that we're claiming to protect. And, and I know that some of you have watched that happen recently. So it's true that God appeared to Saul and, 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 and there was a physical and shocking display of himself. And it's true that that had a dramatic impact on Paul's life, and I'm not denying that, but I want you to notice that that, that experience is not what transformed Paul's, uh, Paul's soul. That experience changed Paul's mind. It changed his direction. It certainly got his attention. But this physical experience was not the kind of seeing, not the kind of knowing, or the kind of light that Paul ever talked about in his epistles. In fact, Paul never once mentioned uh, this experience ever in his writings. Luke mentions it three times in the book of, La- in the book of Acts. Um, but Paul never mentions it at all. For Paul, there was a different kind of seeing. There was a different kind of light that he came to know and came to write about and teach the church about. There was, there was a kind of light that he loved to talk about and teach about when he said things like, God who shines light out of darkness is the one who has shined light in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, the light that Paul was always concerned with was that light that shines as the spirit of truth that Jesus had promised to send, the spirit of truth, the one that would guide us into all truth, the one that would show us, take what is Christ and reveal it to us. And Paul became extremely acquainted, intimately acquainted with that kind of light, and he couldn't stop talking about it. 
And I think we, you know, we've, uh, we've referenced the verses in Matthew 16 a number of times. I think already in these meetings, I don't know, but I, I, it's, it's such an important thing um, to see there. I'm talking about where Peter says the, the first thing that he, he said that was true and that was, that was with spiritual understanding about the Lord. And, um, you know, he, he, the first time he came to see something that was real. And Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I mean, Peter had seen the dead raised. Peter had walked on water. But Peter understood nothing of spiritual reality until it began to be revealed by the Father. So, it's kind of like Jesus looked right in Peter's eyes at that moment and said something like, Peter, seeing me in the flesh these, these three years or whatever, how long, however long it had been, seeing me in the flesh is not what caused you to know me in this way. Peter, there needed to be another kind of appearing. There needed to be another kind of beholding before you could truly know me at all. And here's what I'm getting at. Even though... There have been and there always will be physical manifestations of God's work in the natural realm. I'm not in any way denying that at all. But I'm saying that these are not the kind, the kinds of appearings that cause you and I to, to know spiritual reality. A lifetime can be spent watching these incredible shadows, studying these remarkable miracles. And at the end of it, in, in those somewhat scary words of Jesus, he could say to you and I, truly, truly, I don't know you, and you don't know me. So if you're going to know spiritual reality, and if you're going to live in and by spiritual reality, you, you and I must learn to see the Lord as spirit and as life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. It's kind of like he's saying, listen, my words are far more than lessons, okay? My stories are, are a lot more than teachings. These things that I say to you, they are the seeing of me if you have eyes to see. I'm throwing out these words, but these words are like a window. And if you can see through them, then you can see me. If you can look through that story and let the Spirit show you something greater than those words and whatever application your mind is already running off with to, to give to that story, if you can wait and look for my light, these words, you'll see Spirit in life. There was a time a few years back when I began to realize that nothing I'd ever seen with my natural mind had ever transformed my soul. And uh, you know, people can people can argue with that if they want to, but but uh, but nothing I ever saw or experienced in the flesh ever changed my flesh. It certainly affected my flesh. Don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not denying that there were effects, but effects are not the same thing as transformation. I, I can I can affect this table with paint or, or with a hammer and some saws, but I cannot transform this table into a kangaroo. I can't change it. I can't transform it. And that's, that's something different altogether. You know, I can watch with my eyes as a baby is born into the world, and that might thrill my soul, and that might even 
if it's my baby, it might actually change my natural life in, in dramatic ways. But my soul would remain the same. I could, I could witness some of the most horrific stories of, of World War II, you know, and that might make me sad and that might depress me. But, uh, but it has not changed me. It has not changed or transformed my, my soul. I think here's a perfect example. Think about the Israelites. They come out of, they come out of Egypt, right? You remember all the things they saw with their natural eyes. Incredible, ten incredible plagues. An ocean that splits apart. An army slain by the hand of the Lord. A mountain burning like a, like an oven. And a voice coming out of the the, the heavens speaking to them. Water pouring out of a rock. Manna falling out of the sky. And it, all these natural appearings profited them nothing because they because this way of seeing him this way of knowing him brought very few of them to a true knowing of the Lord a true seeing of the Lord Hebrews 4 verse 2 says this for indeed he's talking about those who came out of um, came out of Egypt uh, and he says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. To us in spirit and truth, to them in types and shadows, but it's the same gospel. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. And that brings me to what I want to spend the rest of the time on tonight. And that is just this word, faith. Faith. These people heard audible words from heaven. They saw mind-boggling signs in the earth. There was not a single one of these people that did not believe in the God of Israel. There was not one among them that did not believe him to be their savior from Egypt or their provider in the wilderness. And yet this verse says that what they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So faith is what we've been talking, whether I called it faith or not. What I've been talking about this whole time is faith. And faith is what we need to understand. And once again, faith is one of those words in the body of Christ that's so common and used in so many different ways that it almost has lost any meaning. Um, and and, and uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where we need to just present to the Lord our natural understandings of spiritual words. We have a word that, that, that has spiritual substance behind it. We have to bring to the Lord our empty definition. We must empty it ourselves, pour it out, hand the word to the Lord and say, fill that up. There's something you see here that I need. And we need to always do that, present to the Lord, so that not so that he can adjust our definition, so that, but that, so he can destroy everything that we've put in that container that is a word and, and, and begin to show us the meaning that that word had in his view from the beginning. What is faith? Faith is not anything you do. And it has nothing, and it is nothing that comes from you. Faith is not your beliefs. Faith is not your deeply held spiritual convictions. Faith is not the conclusions that you've come to with reference to God based on teachings and experiences. Faith is entirely supernatural. I realize that every religion talks about faith. 
Um, and yet faith has absolutely nothing to do with religion. That, that sounds absolutely bizarre, but it's true. Faith is not... Um, true faith will be the destruction of all religion in your heart. Faith and religion don't mix. In fact, religion has come into existence only because of a lack of faith. When people that are involved in, in religion talk um, about faith, um, they're generally just talking about their beliefs. In other words, they're talking to you about what they, um, what they in, in their minds, what they think is true, what, th- what they believe and why they believe it. You know, the deeply held convictions or strong assurances of reality and the reasons why they have those assurances and, um, and all, all of which th- these things exist in the natural mind. And I'm not trying to say that that's inherently evil or, or even naturally useless. Um, I'm simply trying to say that that's not the reality of what the Bible calls faith. That's not what faith is. Faith is not what you or I believe about something. It's not a belief. Faith can, can create beliefs, but it's not a belief. It's not trust. It's not hope. Somebody says, I have faith that God can cure my cancer. Well, I'm sure he can, but that's not faith. That's a belief. It's something that you believe is, is, is uh, tr- true or something you think he's, he can do. But it's still, it's what you believe about him. Somebody else says, I have faith that God's going to end this recession soon. Well, again, that's, that's nice, but that's a hope. That's a hope that you're having. You know, something you'd like to see happen. Somebody else says, I have faith that God will not allow this uh, plane to go down and, and, and crash. Okay? Um, that's not faith either. Either That's something more like trust. You're trusting him. You're, you know, maybe it's, your trust is based on experiences you've had in the past or things you, whatever. You're, you're trusting that he won't do this and will do this. And all these things are fine, and, and, and they all have their place, but they're not faith. Faith is, is quite simply, I mean, the, the simplest definition is the f- faith is the mind of the Lord, the mind of Christ operating in your soul. Faith is the view of spiritual reality that becomes present to the eyes of your heart as the light of his life shines in you. It's the, I'm going to say that again. It is, the spirit, it is the view of spiritual reality that becomes present in the eyes of your heart as his light shines. It's spiritual seeing. It is beholding. It's beholding that's given to you by the Spirit, but it's even greater than that. It's the Spirit's beholding. It's his view. Okay? It's, it's, it's his view working in your soul. So it's not, it's not your understanding of a spiritual thing. It is the Spirit's understanding of everything. And it's, and it's something that you come to participate in, but it's something that you participate in as he writes it on your heart, as he opens the eyes of your understanding, as Paul says in, first, or in first, or Ephesians 1. Uh, it's, it's his eyes. Faith is God's eyes working in you. It's his light. It's his understanding working in your heart. It's yours to participate in. Praise God. You can, you can participate in the faith of the Son of God. It's yours as a gift. But it never has you as its origin or its source. It's almost like your soul is a receptacle for faith. It receives, 
It receives it, uses it, abides in it, lives by it. But at no time are you the one who creates it or controls it. It's utterly of him, from him, and unto him. Here's another way to say it. Faith is when his mind that is in you by new birth begins to bring you to his view according to the light of life. And so when you see by faith, when you walk by faith, when you're seeing and walking in the reality of what God sees, then you are finding access into all that God has done. This is important. And this may sound confusing right at first. Just give it some time. Listen to it again. Let the Lord deal with us on this. Faith grants you access into all that God can see. You know, if, if, if some, by some strange miracle, I was blind, and, 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 and Blaine, this wouldn't even make sense, but put his eyes on a, like an extension cord and let me borrow him for a while to walk around, I would, I'd be seeing what Blaine sees. I'd be, I'd be walking by the sight of Blaine. I'd be seeing and living and abiding in Blaine's uh, view. Well, it's, it's like that. By faith, you have access into what God can see. By faith, you participate in his view, his mind, his awareness. You don't become God, but you walk in his light and you have fellowship with him in the light and fellowship with those who are experiencing and coming into that light. And so in this way, faith brings you into the reality and the substance of what sight cannot see. You see, the scriptures are always talking about this. And, 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 you know, a few years ago, if someone would have said that to me, I would have been like, where? Uh, well, Paul says we are to be those who walk by faith and not by sight. It's one obvious one that comes to mind. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be living our natural lives according to our convictions. That's not what walking by faith is. Walking by faith is not just when we trust God with our finances and our illnesses. Walking by faith is abiding in and living by and walking in the light of God's view. And it's always contrasted with the darkness of our own mind, which is called sight. And the more you come to see by faith, the more you recognize that Paul and all the apostles were always talking about faith and contrasting it to sight. In Colossians, Paul says, Since you have been raised with Christ, now fix your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. See, the things that are above are accessed by faith. The things that are on the earth are accessed by sight. Another place, Paul says, We are looking at things which are unseen and not at those which are seen. That's pretty obvious there. Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Of, of course, it's the faith of the Son of God. It has to be his faith, his mind, his understanding, his view, his light that must be working in our soul. Paul lived by the faith of the Son of God. And, and I've said this before to some of you, I know, but there's, there's at least ten places in the New Testament where where there's a, a, a wrong translation where it says, our faith in Christ, it's supposed to read, or, or faith in Christ, it's supposed to read the faith of Christ. Um, 
Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things having been hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Well, see that? That scripture comes alive because faith is how that which can never be seen becomes substantial, becomes evidential, becomes evidenced in your life, in your soul. Faith is how you become an expression of whatever view of Christ is currently working in your heart. And then again, there's um, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul tells the church that he desires... Uh, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. Now, remember, this is Ephesians we're talking about here. He had just, in, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, he told, he praised God for the fact that he knows that they, they are growing in faith and love. These aren't unbelievers. But then he tells these Christians that he, he's hoping that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. That he would occupy and live in their souls by faith. Uh, Romans 5.2, Paul says, By faith you have access into the grace in which you stand. Paul's telling the Romans that they're standing in this reality and this relationship called grace. And yet he tells them that accessing this reality, experiencing this relationship, is by faith. You're already in grace. Grace is a reality, but grace is accessed, experienced, partaken of, possessed inwardly as the experience of the soul by faith. Galatians chapter 5. I'm, I'm going to stop listing verses after this, but we could go on and on. Paul says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profits anything, but only faith working out through love. How, how does love work in us? Well, it depends what kind of love we're talking about. It, it, we can operate a natural love through natural emotions and desires, but if we're seeking the kind of love that Paul's describing here, or in 1 Corinthians 13, or anything Jesus was ever talking about, then, then the only way to experience that love is through faith. Faith, hope, and love. We'll talk about that another time. But that's all that remains in Christ. Um, so without... Without question, the most essential thing for a heart to have and to grow in is faith. Because faith, see, it's, it's not a coincidence that that word faith shows up in almost every sentence of the New Testament. Everything is by faith. Even this righteousness by faith and life by faith and salvation by faith and love is by faith and access is by faith and, and I'm walking by faith and not by sight. It, it's, it's not... I don't even know what I thought that those verses meant for the first 15 years of my Christian life. I didn't, you know, not knowing what faith was, I would have thought that that meant I have to believe certain things about those realities and then try to, I don't know, do them or apply them. Or I'm not even, I honestly don't even know. It didn't, it wouldn't have made sense to me. If someone would have ever quizzed me on it, I would have, uh, I would have probably embarrassed myself. Um, but faith is, is, is the most essential thing for our heart to have and to grow in. And, and, and that's because faith is this ever-increasing view of reality as God knows it to be. And it's by faith that all spiritual things are learned. And, and it's by faith that all spiritual things are known and experienced and worked into your soul. W without faith, you're just you. You know, without faith, you simply live in the flesh and you comprehend with the darkness of your natural mind and you act out from your own soul. That's everything without faith. Without faith, you will never experience anything other than just plain old you. 
Maybe, maybe it'll be you a little smarter, maybe you a little nicer, maybe you a little better behaved if you work on some stuff, but still, just you. But by faith, somebody entirely different is accessed by your soul. An entirely different life. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ is accessed and experienced and formed in you. All of this is by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without faith, and you've heard that scripture in Hebrews, and without faith that, that causes the life and purpose of God to operate in our soul, then we're just, as Paul says in Corinthians, we're just mere men. Or, or as Jude says, we're brute beasts. Or Paul, we're, un, we're, we're, we're reason, unreasoning animals, or however he says it. You know, growing in faith is the only means by which all of God's purposes and all of God's reality and life and truth and wisdom and righteousness and love. Without faith, none of those, all of those are still your belief, your belief that such a thing exists. But faith actually accesses those things. The mind of the Lord working in you, the light of his life shining in your heart. Bringing us to, to a living and active participation in all that God has done in his son. A finished work accessed by faith. A new creation lived in by faith. Grace accessed by faith. Righteousness exhibited by faith. Love working through faith. You cannot, you cannot live by your life and your mind and, and think that you'll ever know or, or do the will of God. The will of God isn't even something that you do. It is someone that he is. And that life works in you by faith. That's probably enough for tonight. I just want to make a couple of little summary statements here, and, and then I'll, we'll stop. Christ is in you. That's a fact. Everyone in this room, Christ is in you. It's an awesome reality. And yet you will never know him through the natural realm. Christ is in you. But you will never understand him or experience him with your physical senses and natural mind. Things and, 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 uh, and people that are external to you can be known to a degree by sight. But you will never know Christ by sight. And that's where we've gone so wrong. You will never know Christ by experiencing things that just the words that he said or the things that he made. You have to actually access him. You have to actually access his mind, his heart, his view, his light. And the way that he has given us to do that is by working that light, that mind, that heart, by writing on our heart that reality, that life, that truth. By giving us this, um, this incredible gift by faith. If, if we desire to know the Lord, we have to know him where he is, as he is, and in the way that he can be known. And here's the facts. The facts of scripture that, are, that abound. You don't have to try to find this in one verse. You can find it in hundreds. Christ is in you. Christ is your life. And Christ is known by faith. Amen. Let's stop with that and...